Awesome. Well, it's great to see you all here this morning. Before we actually jump into the message itself, I want to just kind of bring you a little update. Um, so earlier this week, I also had the opportunity to be uh, with the crew from Uftering's Auto Group Thursday morning. So they are actually broke ground on their brand new building. So uh, construction is underway for their new facility. And uh, for those who don't know, they are currently renting the space that we own, the building in town, the former Tractor Supply Company building that we purchased for our church. And uh, we decided to put our plans back by a year after they suffered a fire at the dealership. So rather than their employees lose jobs and uh, them lose business, we offered for them to use our facility. So as part of the groundbreaking, they acknowledged that and they were speaking not just to me, but to the whole church. I wanted you to get to hear and see what was said. So check this out. At this time, I'd like to bring up Pastor Dave Jane, uh, the pastor of Connect Church, where in a few short months, he'll be having Sunday service over there. So pastor, if you don't mind. As the pastor of Connect, we are thrilled to play a part in this story. Um, you know, there's a, a verse in Romans 8, 28. Some of you will be familiar with it. It says, and we know that to them that love God, all things work together for good, even to them that are called according to his purpose. I would like to thank Pastor Dave Jean and the great people of Connect Church. Had they not offered to postpone their celebration that they had planned for Easter, we wouldn't have had a facility so handy and that has worked so well. The morning after the fire, we started talking at a breakfast meeting. We toured the TSE building. Yes, prayers were answered. Less than one week, we were selling cars just two doors down from our dealership home. And just 30 days later, we were servicing cars. Thank you, Pastor Jane and the board of directors and the congregation of Connect Church for your kindness, empathy, and willingness to help. Yes, that's you. Thank you. So I wanted you to hear that because he said that uh, to all of us, and uh, we were thrilled to be able to partner with them in this. It's just been a wonderful story, and as I said from that verse about all things working together for good, uh, for those that love God, it really has been. I, Gary Aftering there in that video would tell you that as a business, they've seen good come out of this as a church. We've seen good come out of this. They've done some work in our future building that we will benefit from. And uh, more than anything else, I just feel like God's name has been glorified through this whole story. Uh, but I did want to tell you that one of the things they announced there is that their goal is to be in the new building by December 11th which is uh, very fast, but they uh, believe they can do it. That means that our goal is to have a plan in place because we start work December 12th. So uh, I'm not sure how long that uh, build-out will be for us, but I'm very excited because it does mean that uh, in the early part, the first part of 2019, we will be officially moving into our new homes. So we are super excited about that. If you'd like to learn more about our plans and about what's coming up, there is a brochure in the foyer. It's an orange brochure. It says Together for Washington. That'll tell you a little bit more about uh, all that's transpiring with us moving from here into the new building. So if you want to learn more about that, check that out. Um, so this morning we're continuing a series that we started a couple of weeks ago called Our House. We are using the, the house as a metaphor for the relationships in our lives, the relationships that the different rooms in that house represent. So the first week we, we started out by talking about the front door. 
You know, every good house has a front door. If you buy a house and it doesn't have a front door, um, you're in trouble. And, and that front door needs to be able to close and lock because you want to keep the bad people uh, out and you want to keep the cats in. Okay, uh, front doors are very important. Uh, and when it comes to relationships in our lives, I think that actually having a front door is a healthy thing. There are some people that are uh, life-giving relationships that we have, and we want to open the door and let those people into our lives. But there can be some, some relationships that are challenging. They can be life-sucking relationships we talked about. And sometimes it's, it's good for us to be able to have some control, maybe to shut the door to some of those relationships. Last week, we talked about the kids' room. We talked about the fact that the kids' room is also a very important room in our house. It represents the relationship that many of us have as parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, with the next generation, the kids, in our lives, and how we can all play a part in the development, both physically, emotionally, but also spiritually, in the lives of the kids in our lives. But this morning, we're moving around the house, and we now find ourselves in the bedroom. And this morning, we're going to talk about the relationship that the bedroom itself represents. We're even going to talk a little bit about what goes on in the bedroom. And for those of you with TVs in your bedroom, I'm not talking about falling asleep while watching Jimmy Fallon. I'm talking about other activities associated with the bedroom. So if you do have kids in the service, we may get a little PG-13 here as we talk about some of these uh, subject matters. So uh, today might be a great day to check out Connect Kids if they haven't before. But we are talking about the relationship that is represented by the bedroom, the most intimate relationship in many of our lives. And in talking about that, we really have to talk a little bit as well about how sex plays a part in that. Now, Case and I, we were talking about this subject uh, that we would be speaking on this morning, and she's like, uh, we were talking and we were thinking, you know, is that really something you want to talk about in church? You know, people are coming expecting a nice Bible message and, you know, uh, some music, a cup of coffee and a donut, and you're going to say sex from the stage. You know, is that really what people, maybe that's more for a marriage seminar, but as we got to talking about it, we realized, you know, it's not like this isn't already being spoken about. Whether it's TV, movies, the internet, advertising, the old adage is true, sex sells. And a lot of people are using it to communicate that message. And sadly, a lot of those people who are using it to communicate that message are communicating it in a way that goes against the way that God intended it to be in the first time. You see, I think the, the, the church historically has kind of shied away from this subject a little bit, intimacy, um, marriage relationships, even the subject of sex, because, you know, it's kind of a taboo subject. And we're doing people a disservice because, like I said, it's being talked about outside of here. And in fact, the information we hear about on this topic outside of the church is normally coming from sources like Cosmo Magazine, The Bachelorette, Romantic Hollywood Movies, Pornography, and about 50 shades of anything else you can think of. So we're getting a pretty warped view of this particular subject. So why not talk about it in church? Why not talk about the way God intended it to be? Because God talked about this relationship. God even talked about sex. In fact, there is a book in the Old Testament, it's called Song of Solomon. It's a romantic poem written by a man named Solomon to his beautiful bride. Let's just say that this book won't feature too often in your children's illustrated Bibles because it's a pretty, um, it's a pretty sordid book. 
It talks very openly and honestly and frankly about relationship and love and, and intimacy and sex. In fact, in his book, God Loves Sex, Dan Allender, he points out the, the two people that are featured in this book, the husband and the wife, the man's name is Solomon, the woman's name is referred to as Shulamite. Both their names derive from the Hebrew word shalom. Now, you may recognize that as, as peace, but the word shalom means so much more. It means wholeness, completeness, fullness, harmony. Shalom is a picture of healthy intimacy. So this book, The Song of Songs, that's talking all about intimacy and love and sex is actually talking about intimacy. It's more than just a physical act. It's, it's, being, it's knowing and being fully known. So this morning, we're going to look at this idea of intimacy. What can help it? What can hurt it? And in order to understand intimacy this morning, we have to ask ourselves, if we find ourselves this morning in this kind of relationship, are we in a covenant relationship or are we in a consumer relationship? Are we in a covenant relationship or are we in a consumer relationship? Because you see, there are two types of relationship you can be in. One's transactional and one's relational. One's transactional, one's relational. Transactional is a consumer thing. There's a, it's just a consumer mentality. Relational, that's a covenant relationship. Before we dive into this, let me just acknowledge that I realize that in the room this morning, I'm talking to different people from a lot of different backgrounds, and to some of you may still be single, to some may be married, maybe some are divorced here this morning. So I realize this is a very complex subject. Some may be happily married, some may be struggling, some may have been married for many, many years, some may be on the journey, some may be here with their spouses this morning, some may not be here with their spouses. So I know that there's a lot of different people here this morning. But I hope and pray through God's Holy Spirit that he's able to speak clearly this morning and that something that is said this morning will help you in the relationship that you're currently in, the relationship that you hope to one day be in, maybe even as you reflect back on a painful experience to bring some healing and maybe even some, some vision for what the future holds. You know, one of the most famous verses about intimacy can be found in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 2, 24. It says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Some of you may be more familiar with the, the, the King James Version, the, 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 the translation that says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Maybe you've heard that phrase before, to leave and to cleave. And that word cleave really kind of explains a little bit more um, what this covenant relationship looks like. You see, cleave means to unite to someone through a covenant, a binding promise or an oath. This is why I think a healthy, growing, intimate relationship should be a covenant relationship. I actually believe that God designed sex to be experienced in a marriage relationship only. The author Tim Keller says, sex outside of marriage lacks integrity because you are asking someone to do something with their body that you are not asking them to do with their whole life and with their whole self. You see, a covenant relationship is a relationship that's based on a promise, a promise to be loyal, stay faithful in the good times and the bad. In life, being a consumer means that when I go shopping and I buy some laundry detergent and I find out that the regular brand I normally buy is a bit more expensive than this brand over here, and I think, you know what? I'm going to stop buying that brand and I'm going to start buying this brand. It's cheaper. 
Or I hear of a new restaurant in town, I stop eating at this restaurant because now this is my new restaurant that I like better. That's consumer mentality. And that's okay to do in life when it comes to shopping and eating out, but that's not okay to do in a relationship. God designed us in our covenant relationships to not think like a consumer looking for what's better out there, what's, what's newer, younger, what's, what else is available out there. God wants us to be in covenant relationships. And the truth is to, to really dig deeper into this whole subject this morning, if it were just me speaking up here, you'd get a very warped view. You'd get the Dave Jane view, just uh, uh, 50% of the view, probably not even 50%, maybe 30% of the, uh, the whole story. So I've invited uh, the brains of the Jane family to join me on stage this morning. Would you welcome my wife, Casey Jane? So the truth is, we've been talking a lot over the last couple of weeks about this Sunday, and through the course of this conversation, talking about what we felt um, needed to be spoken about and what needs to be covered this morning in just this short amount of time, it got to the point where I said, Case, you need to join me. You need to be up here, because some of what you're saying is brilliant. So she very graciously agreed. Uh, this isn't her favorite spot to be, but she is fantastic. So I'm glad when she does come up here. So, so we're going to look real quickly here this morning at three different areas where covenant and consumer collide and what it looks like in a covenant relationship context versus a consumer relationship context in case why don't you tell us about the first one we're going to look at okay first of all I'll just say that we don't have it all together we are still no. learning this and uh, um, I don't want you to think that we're talking about anything that we're not um, needing to hear ourselves but um, I actually consider myself a pretty pretty passionate about marriage and I really try to be the best wife I can but even preparing this I, uh, I feel like I have had to have a little heart check. I um, fail miserably sometimes, as does Dave. No. <laughs> so, Maybe occasionally. Um, we're listening to this today, too. Um, a covenant relationship, the first thing we want to focus on is a covenant relationship serves your spouse. A consumer relationship serves yourself. So a covenant relationship is you first. How can I help you? What can I do to lighten your load? A consumer relationship is what's in it for me? What, what am I gonna get out of this? And many times our culture slips to this consumer mentality. I've been in many conversations um, in women's circles throughout the years, and it's so easy to slip into that consumer way of thinking um, in our marriages, and, be, and it becomes a vicious cycle. The whole concept of marriage can become distorted. I've been guilty of this. Sometimes we think we sometimes things aren't going our way or we dwell on things that our husbands aren't instead of all they are and we get frustrated and we feel things so deep that they must be true this is when uh we make assumptions about our husbands or we pl we place unfair expectations on them and then all our feelings go wrong um we so quickly fall into these unhealthy patterns and if he's, not, if, if he's not showing up the way I think he should show up in our marriage, then I, I think, okay, well, then I don't have to either. And that's just so, that's like a consumer uh, mentality. It becomes conditional instead of a covenant. We forget that mar we're married to imperfect people and that we actually ourselves are imperfect. And we end up justifying our actions. And then it becomes this self-serving, limited love instead of unconditional love in a selfless, safe marriage. And we end up slipping into that um, consumer relationship. 
A covenant relationship takes the lead from Jesus, who came to serve and not to be served. He's our perfect example of how to respond in marriage to our spouses. And um, just speaking to the wives real quick, we also need to be willing to accept when our husbands are trying, and there's times that they come and help and try to um, serve us, and sometimes we're like, well, yeah, you didn't do it this way, or um, we just need to be ready to extend grace when they are genuinely trying to help. Uh, I just want to brag on Dave just for a little bit. Um, we, last weekend, I was away uh, with Ben, our oldest, at a soccer tournament in the suburbs, and as we were discussing the plan for the weekend, we had decided that we were, I was going to stay at my sister's, who um, lives about an hour away from where we were. And Emma overheard this. She's our youngest. She overheard this, that we were staying at our, her cousin's house. So she just quickly made plans. Okay, I'm going with mom then. I, that's what I want to do. So I kept trying to tell her, no, no, Emma, let me just tell you what this weekend's going to be like. The weather forecast is 95 degrees. And we are going to be sitting out in soccer and the whole weekend. The time we're at our cousin's house is like so minimal. You won't even get to see them much. So you really, really should stay home. And she's like, no, I'm going, I'm going. She just knew that's what she wanted to do. I'm like, okay, I warned you. We are going, going to be hot. And Emma is just like me. We don't like 95 degree weather unless we're in a body of water. It just, we don't handle it well. So needless to say, the weekend was miserable. It was hot. It was, it just, it was, it was torture. Um, apart from the, the, the last game, Ben ended up scoring a goal, and he assisted the second goal to win the tournament. So I, I wouldn't want to miss it. Don't, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't want to miss that, but the weather was torture. And Emma was grumpy. She had a million suggestions of what we should be doing instead of sitting at that soccer tournament. That we should go back to the Cousins and just be inside and enjoy. And then Ben can update us on his game later. I'm like, no, we are not doing this. So it was, it was pretty rough. I, I can go on and on. It was rough. And even coming home, it was late. We didn't even finish the tournament until I think 8 o'clock. So it was late, late drive. I don't drive well at night. I was just exhausted. I wanted to get home. And, um, but I remembered on the way home that I left our house a disaster. And uh, it, I, it just was like, oh, I just was like, this is not even going to... I can't even go home and relax. All I wanted to do is go sit in air conditioning and just stare at a wall because I was so hot. But I knew that it was um, going to be a long week of trying to get the house back together. Well, little did I know that Dave was home. He was home with Will um, here that weekend, and uh, he decided to clean the house. Now, this does not happen often. In fact, one time <laughs> I needed help with the house, and it, I was getting overwhelmed, so for my birthday, he actually got me a cleaner for a few weeks. That's the kind of, that's usually what happens. He does, I didn't even know Dave knew how to mop. So this, I didn't know I knew how to mop. Apparently, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, he actually out. grabbed, I guess he grabbed the um, stain, the OxyClean um, laundry stain remover first, and then quickly, I just knew there was a spray involved, but then I found the Thankfully, he realized that. There was something different to clean the floors. But anyway, all that to say, that meant so much because that's not typically what Dave would do or even <laughs> really know how to do. But he knew that that is something that would mean a lot to me. And so even in those little things, they become really big things. And then when you, when you do little things for your spouse like that, it ends up becoming a way of life and it ends up becoming a covenant relationship. Good job. So I told Kate, you should tell that story about me cleaning. That'd be a good story. But the more I heard it, the more it made me sound terrible. So uh, I didn't mean it that way. Today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. Um, 
But I knew, you know, just talking to her on the phone, I knew she was exhausted. I was like, you know, I want to do this for her. I want to serve her in this way. And uh, wouldn't it be great if that just came naturally to all of us in the relationships we're in and we just did this all the time? Because that is the, the perfect relationship. I'm serving her and she's serving me. We're like falling over each other because we're trying to outserve each other. But the truth is, we, we just fall too easily, don't we? It's the consumer relationship where we want to be served, where it's about us. And uh, in all my years of ministry, we've met a few times with couples who are going through relational challenges and occasionally we'll find someone where somebody has stepped outside of the bounds of marriage and um, had an affair or cheated on their spouse. And I've never been in a conversation where they said, well, I just, I was serving my spouse and I found another woman that I wanted to serve instead. So I'm now serving. I just don't hear that. You know, when this happens, it's driven by the consumer mentality and not by a desire to serve. If our desire is to serve one another, to have that covenant relationship, it'll make our marriages stronger. It's not easy, but it's a great goal to strive for. What's the second thing? Okay, so the second thing is a covenant relationship desires to go deeper. A consumer relationship resists going deeper. I came across this easy-to-remember definition as I was preparing for this message. Intimacy equals into me I see. And this is a little um, clip from an article I was reading too. Real intimacy makes us feel alive like we've been found, as if someone finally took the time to peer into the depths of our soul and really see us there. Until then, we feel passed over and ignored, like someone is looking right through us. But before I go any further, I just want to mention that it is an, it's impossible to feel fully known until you know who you are to begin with. And it's also important to say that until we know how God, God created intimacy, until we know that relationship with him, we can't move forward and fully know our spouse and then fully know us. It's not our spouse's job to fill that, that void. Only God can fill that. But when we come into a relationship with God and let him be the Lord of our lives, we can then begin to know who we are in him and what it means to be known by him. And only then, when we know God's pure love for us, can we journey alongside our spouse and pursue this true intimacy together and this covenant-type relationship. In all of us, there's a deep desire to be known and to be heard, to be understood. Uh, most of us have a deep desire also to know our spouses as well and can, to connect with them on a deep and intimate level. And hopefully that's a two-way street. And I don't know why it continues to surprise me that even after knowing Dave, for, I've known him for 25 years, that I still find out new things about him. Um, this year I was blown away by a new discovery that I made uh, when we were going to purchase a car. Dave was getting ready to get a new car, so we went to a local dealership in town, and a friend of ours worked there, and he's originally from Holland. He actually attends here at Connect. Um, he's from Holland, and he speaks German. So we walked into this um, office, and Dave proceeds to have this conversation with this guy in German, fluently, <laughs> right? Now, I do need to tell you that in the 25 years that I've known him, I had no clue he spoke German. <laughs> so this was creepy, like a little creepy. Um, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know whether to be like amazed or appalled. I was flabbergasted. I was just like, I'm sure my jaw hit the floor. I just didn't know what to think. I was like, okay, so is this Jason Bourne? Do I have a secret agent? <laughs> like, these are some things that you think you I would know. I get that a lot. She often thinks of me as Jason Bourne. 
Anyway, all that to say, husbands, don't be afraid to share with your wives. Share deep and intimate things. Share details about yourself so that you don't end up years from now being totally creeped out by, <laughs> by new information. In all seriousness, in general, the desire to go deeper com comes easier for women to explore than men. Women have a comfort level of sharing in deep conversation and connection. They desire to be pursued and cared for, thought of, heard, and understood. Deep down, I believe that men have these desires too, but it takes being vulnerable and open to explore this path, which can be tough. Some prefer to keep it safe and surface instead of the risk of opening up. Our culture has raised our boys to be macho and tough and don't be too soft and don't share too much. And really, that's the opposite of being vulnerable. And most women want more emotional intimacy from men than we traditionally raise our boys and men to deliver. We chase this American dream of more and we work so hard but empty ourselves, giving our kids all that we can and more and getting more and thinking that's gonna make us happy. And in all reality, all we really want is a deep connection to God and to each other. With every soul, every soul, what, what they want is just to be known. Investing in true intimacy can be exhausting, um, frustrating, it can even be awkward sometimes. But it can be beautiful and rewarding if you take that risk and then it will be, end up being really fulfilling. It's worth the effort, and I believe it is possible to know your spouse in that way. Now, this is a process. It won't happen overnight, and it, but if you're married, you've begun that process. It's, um, it's in our hands to, to decide how, how we're gonna move forward in that. And it's like an onion, it's peeling back the layers, and this takes years, and it's just committing to that process of going deeper. This will look different for every couple. Everyone's different and uniquely wired. So there's ups and downs in marriage in the, in the same way there's ups and downs in intimacy. Um, we're two different people and we're not always gonna be on the same page, but when there's that goal in mind, there's something to strive for. We can continue pursuing deeper intimacy by just starting small. Manage your expectations. This is something that wives, will, will, we have to remember. Um, to manage our expectations and give each other a lot of grace and accept each other right, right where we're at. Um, a few ways you can start by doing this is being available and present. Spend meaningful time together. Initiate deep conversation. Ask thoughtful questions. Listen and aim to understand and to be understood and go to bed together. And if you need a little help with a question to get the ball rolling, to get this conversation started and go, going a little deeper, maybe a good one is just to ask what other languages your spouse speaks. Because that, <laughs> apparently that's what I should have done. Yeah. You know, this is a great one to prepare for Case and I, because this for us as a couple is, is, a, is a huge one. I am uh, the typical guy, you know, she's like, how are you doing? Fine. That's it. That's all you need to know. I'm fine. You know, she, she wants to go so much deeper, and she wants me to pursue her and, and to go deeper asking her different questions, too. And some of you are here already thinking, well, at the beginning you said you were going to talk about sex. This hasn't got anything to do with sex. Well, it does. Trust me. This is, um, this is a part of that intimate relationship. 
This is a part of what um, our spouses are sometimes looking for, is that knowledge of, um, of getting deeper in a relationship. A covenant relationship is willing to go deeper. And um, I heard an illustration once that kind of illustrated why this is a challenge, I think, sometimes for us guys. And that is that, you know, when we're out in the car, if we're driving with our spouse and we hear a sound, we're like, do you hear that? And she's like, no. Yeah, listen, listen. You turn the radio off. Do you hear that? It's like a little knocking. She's like, I don't hear anything. Oh. And before you know it, we're in the garage. We've got the car, the hood up. You know, we're trying to figure out because it's just this tiny little tap, tap, whatever it is. And she's like, unless it's broken down by the side of the road, who cares? Just keep driving. We're the complete opposite when it comes to relationships. Our wives sit down and they want to go deeper. And we're like, Why? Everything's fine. It's, it's driving okay. Leave it alone. Stop, to, stop meddling. You know, in the sense of relationships, we don't want to dig deeper until we are on the road, by the side of the road, you know, smoke coming out of the engine. Then, okay, we better take a look at this and figure out what's going on. And uh, I just thought it was a really cool analogy to show, you know, the differences between guys and girls. But um, the last thing we want to just kind of wrap up with this morning when it comes to these covenant relationships is that a covenant relationship fights fair, a consumer relationship fights to win. Now, the truth is, uh, we could very easily, and maybe you would have thought that the, the title here should be, A Covenant Relationship Doesn't Fight a Consumer Relationship. Uh, sorry, A Covenant Relationship, yeah, Doesn't Fight a Consumer Relationship Does Fight. But the truth is, uh, the difference between covenant and consumer is not whether you fight or you don't fight. It's what your conflicts look like, what the purposes are of your conflicts. I actually think healthy relationships need to go through times of conflict to dig deeper, to get uh, to the heart of the matter, to resolve some of those issues. So Casey's going to talk a little bit about this. Okay, so there is that myth that conflict is bad. And conflict in marriage isn't bad. It's not resolving the conflict in a healthy way that ends up leading to dysfunction. Um, often in marriage, we end up developing unha unhealthy patterns to avoid conflict because of the way we dealt with it in early on or throughout our marriage, and then it ends up becoming these vicious cycles. If, we've, if I've learned anything about marriage, is that it's not a sprint. It takes time, and we've never fully arrived to perfection, but there is a goal we can strive for. And obviously, there's a learning curve. When we know better, we do better. So it is a process throughout the, our lives once we commit to that person. But as quickly as you can in marriage, learn to fight fair. Learn to fight fair while still sending the message, I love you, I accept you. Uh, it's okay that we have differences in viewpoints and opinions. A few simple guidelines that Dave and I have tried to follow in regards to conflict is in the middle of conflict, remember to honor God and each other. Also, be willing to own your own junk. We have to recognize our stuff and work through it. A lot of times, this could even be a, a point in conflict where you think, well, this is my spouse's deal. It's their problem. Well, most of the time with that, God's also trying to show us something. So always be a uh, willing to go be self-aware and look at ourselves, um, it could be that God's bringing up hurts or re past rejection or insecurities, pride, stubbornness, or just simply a, a want to avoid things. Um, whatever it is, be willing to, to dig a little deeper and, and identify what that might be. Um, another one is stay away from unhe unhealthy reactions like insults, silent treatment, yelling, blaming, and avoiding, this won't serve you well. And be willing to request space and give space when needed for, for thoughts to be gathered. And the last one is choose your words wisely. Feeling safe, or in other words, um, emotional safety, which feeds intimacy, can be destroyed in seconds 
with the, the wrong word choice or an unguarded tongue. So speak in love. Remember to speak in love as you would your friend because this is ultimately our best friend. God uses our spouses more than any other relationship to grow us and refine us, but it's up to us if we're going to let him. Having a normal relationship doesn't mean a couple will argue all the time or disagree constantly, but some conflict is normal, a normal part of developing authentic intimacy. And if you feel stuck in some of this, where some of the same things keep coming up, remember to ask God about that. And even don't, don't be hesitant to, to get some godly counsel to help you through those um, and having some fresh eyes to help you move forward in that. I often like to remind myself that we are on the same team. We are meant to be on this journey as one and not competing against each other. This is my friend, my person, my um, partner in life, and not my rival. When our goal is to move forward and resolve conflict in a way that honors each other and God, this, this will build trust and lead to, to intimacy and a covenant relationship. So remember to fight fair. I'm glad to be her person. I like being her person. You know, like I said, I feel like every room in this house we spent time in, we could do a whole series on. I think we could have spoke for weeks just on investing the lives of kids. I think that just this subject alone, we just barely scratched the surface. I'm also aware, just even looking around the room this morning, that there are some here who are even further on in their journey and their marriage relationships than Casey and I are, probably looking on thinking, that cute young couple, they think 20 years is good. Um, we, we've got so much more to learn, but we're on this journey and I hope you didn't pick up anything this morning of an idea of, you know, this is, if you feel like you're falling short. It's, it's, it's not where we're at, it's where we're headed, the goals we have in our lives. The truth is that it doesn't come naturally to want to be in a covenant relationship because of the sin in our lives. We, we keep just kind of being pulled in that consumer mentality. What's in it for me? I want this for me. And it's dying to that, that me first and looking to how can I serve others? How can I uh, make this a covenant relationship and not a consumer relationship? Um, real intimacy is not found just by merging bodies in sex. When Jesus said, and the two shall become one, I can't help but think that he meant more than just physical. After all, how many couples go to bed at night, share their bodies, but not their hearts? Undoubtedly, many of those people would say that they are very lonely. Why? Because just like a drinking fountain is not the source of water, but only an expression or vehicle for it, so sex is not the source of intimacy, but an outlet or an expression of it. No matter how hard you try, if real emotional and spiritual intimacy does not exist before sex, it most certainly won't after. Let's pray. Father, as we spend a few minutes this morning just thinking through the idea of the relationship represented by the bedroom, I know that many of us here, whether we are um, entering into a relationship, whether we're in a relationship right now, whether we've had some pain associated with a past relationship, every one of us can probably relate in some way. So help us, Lord, to aspire towards that covenant relationship. Help us to remember, Lord, that we are broken. We live in bodies and our sexuality, it wasn't the way it was created to be. Because of the fall of man, this is broken. So we'll never be perfect. We'll never get it right, Lord. But that doesn't mean that we give up. That doesn't mean that we don't try. We can still, with your help, Jesus, aspire to love the way you demonstrated love. 
the way you showed love. You gave up your life. You were willing to serve others by giving up your life. You demonstrated what love looks like. Help us to to strive to have that kind of life in our uh, relationships. So whether it's going deeper, whether it's serving one another more, whether it's handling conflict correctly, help us, Lord, to, to, to discover the intimacy that you can find, you can only find in a covenant relationship. We ask for your help in this, in Jesus' name. Amen.